and the day that Ya'abdu, he will bite. Who will bite? Al-Zalimu, the wrongdoer. Meaning he is guilty. If he's biting his own hands in anger, in rage, then yes, he should do that. Because he is guilty. He is Zalim after all. It's nobody else's fault except his fault. What is it that he will bite at? Ala yadayhi. On his hands. Yaday, both his hands. Not just one hand, but both hands. Not fingernails, not fingers, but hands. He will bite at both of them. Notice the word yaabdu. Ayn dabdad. Abd. And abd is basically to grab something with your teeth. To cut something between the upper teeth and the lower teeth. So basically bring the upper and the lower jaw together. Grabbing something between the two jaws. This is abd. Why would a person bite his own hands? Why? Out of anger? Out of regret? Out of fear? Out of anxiety? Like in the Quran we learn, وَإِذَا خَلَوْ عَضُّوا عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَنَامِلَ مِنَ الْغَيْظِ They bite their fingers in rage, in anger. So sometimes when people are angry with themselves, what do they do? They hurt themselves. They cut themselves. They even try to kill themselves. They cause themselves serious injuries. On the day of judgment, a person will bite both his hands. When? When he will see the consequence of his ulm, of his injustice. When he will see the recompense of his deeds, the outcome of his deeds. He will be so angry that he will punish himself before Allah will punish him. He will torture himself before he is sent to hell. And why would a person do that? That he hurts himself before he is punished. Why? Because he realizes that the punishment is great. And he doesn't know how to escape. He doesn't know what to do. So he's so angry at himself that he starts hurting himself. What's the crime over here? What's the regret over here? Yaqulu, he will say, Ya laytani, oh I wish... Notice the word ya. What does ya mean? Ya is for calling somebody. But here ya is not for nida. It's not calling somebody. It is for exclamation. That ya laytani. Oh, I wish that. And layta is a word that is used for expressing a wish or a hope. Meaning if only. Would that. I wish. Laytani. اتخذت I had taken Rasuli with the messenger Sabila away I wish I had taken with the messenger away I wish I had accompanied the Prophet I wish I had been on his path I wish I had been on his way I wish I had adopted the path that the messenger showed so this regret is over what? what is this regret over? Not following the Prophet ﷺ. Not being on his path, rather being on the path of others. Wasting one's life, letting go of great opportunities. Remember that no person is alone. right? He is on the path of someone with someone. Either a person is on the path of shaitan with shaitan, or he is on the path of the messenger, following the footsteps of the messenger. 
In Surah Al-Ahzab, Ayah 66, also we learn, يَوْمَ تُقَلَّبُ وُجُوهُمْ فِي النَّارِ يَقُولُونَ يَا لَيْتَنَا أَطَعْنَ اللَّهَ وَأَطَعْنَ الرَّسُولَ The day their faces will be turned about in the fire, and they will say how we wish we had obeyed Allah, and we had obeyed the Messenger. So on the day of judgment, people will regret not following the Prophet ﷺ. For some people, this regret will be a lot. And for some, this regret will be of a lesser degree. Of course, those people who reject the Messenger ﷺ, don't believe in him at all, their regret will be much greater. But remember, leaving the sunnah, this is also something that will cause great regret on the day of judgment. Right now, we find it burdensome to follow the Prophet ﷺ. He ate like this, he drank like this. We find that difficult to do. But on the Day of Judgment, not following him will be a source of great regret. And because this person is not on the path of the Prophet, he is on the path of somebody else. He is accompanying somebody else. And so he will regret, Ya wailata, oh woe to me. Again, Ya is for exclamation. And wail, what does wail mean? Halak, destruction. And wailata was actually wailati. Woe to me, my woe. And the T has been turned into ta. Why? What sounds worse? Ya waylati or ya waylata? Ya waylata. Because it expresses more regret. Ya waylata. Oh woe to me. Laytani. I wish lam attakhid fulanan khalila. I wish I had not taken fulanan so and so khalila as a friend. I wish I had not taken so and so person as a friend. I should have taken the Prophet ﷺ as a friend. But I took his enemies, his opponents as my friend. Khalil. Who is Khalil? Khalam Lam. Khalal. What is Khalal? Gap. Always remember the word Khilal. Khilal in wudu. That when you pass wet fingers between the gaps which are between your fingers. Right? To make sure that the gaps in between, they are not left dry. Right? Alhamdulillah, we have running water, so no problem. But when you have a little bit of water, and you're doing wudu, you have to make sure that the part between the fingers is also wet. Alright? Especially men who have beards, they have to do khilal. Where? They have to run wet fingers through their beard to make sure the skin underneath the beard is also wet. So each person has, you know, some space in their heart. Isn't it? I mean, you fill your heart with different, different things. Correct? So, Khalil is a friend who's occupied a big portion of your, of your heart. Someone whom you would call BFF. Alright? Best friend forever. How many ever Fs you want to put? Because you know them since childhood, right? You know them, you spend your time with them, you love them, you share every secret with them, they're very close to you, they influence you, you influence them, this is Khalil. So he will say, I wish I had not taken so and so as my close friend. What do we see over here? Many regrets. First regret for not being with the messenger. And our sad reality is that in this life, we don't know the Prophet ﷺ that well. We don't recognize him. We don't understand his mission, nor do we do anything for it. And sometimes our ways are completely different from the ways of the Prophet ﷺ. Just compare the way, you know, we conduct our marriage ceremonies, wedding ceremonies. And how is it that the Prophet ﷺ's wedding ceremonies were? Just think about it. What a huge difference. 
His marriages were so simple. So simple. I mean, not that they didn't have any fun. They did have fun, of course. The Prophet ﷺ on one occasion when he was returning from a particular journey and he married Safiya radiallahu anha. Alright? And in the journey, the Prophet ﷺ had a walima. Alright? In the journey, he told Anas radiallahu anhu to bring whatever food there was there and call the people. So what did they have? Some bread and butter. That's what they had. A simple menu. But it's necessary. What do we do? We will delay marriages. Right? We will delay the feast. Or we will not call people to the feast. Only a few people. Why? Just because the marriage has to be of a particular standard. The party has to be of a particular standard. Even if we are contradicting the sunnah. In the Qur'an, Allah tells us that once you have eaten somewhere, if you're called for food somewhere, once you've eaten, then eat and go. Once you've had your food, then go. What do we do? We go to somebody's house, and after we eat, that is when we sit, and chat, and relax, and the host is waiting for you to go, so that they can wrap up, and deal with the dinner aftermath. Right? They're waiting for that. They're exhausted because they've been preparing food and then serving you. And once you will go, then they have a whole lot of work to do. What's the sunnah? What does the sunnah teach us? Eat and leave. We come late. That's our problem. We come late. We don't come on time. And then we take our time in eating and then we sit after we eat. Exactly opposite to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. This is something that we really need to think about. One is the way of the Messenger ﷺ, the way that Allah likes. And the other is khilaf sunnah Whatever shade it is of, it is contrary to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Innovations also come in this. Following or practicing bid'at, innovations, things that the Prophet ﷺ never did, he never taught. But doing those actions, this is something that is not of the path of the Prophet ﷺ. And it will be a source of great regret for a person on the Day of Judgment. We learn in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, O oh people, when I will wait for you at the Hawd, you will be brought in groups. But you will be separated by different paths. Meaning you will scatter away. Meaning people will be coming to me at the Hawd in groups. But what will happen? Some people, they will be taken away. They won't be allowed to come to me. And I will call out to you that come on this path towards me. But a caller will call from behind that these people changed the deen after you. They were not upon your path. They were on a different path. So I will say, Allah suhqan, Allah suhqan, stay away, stay away, don't come to me. And this is something that will cause great regret to a person on the Day of Judgment. So we all need to see, how well do I know Rasulullah wasallam? How much do I follow him? My life, is it? Somewhat similar to his life His mission, his goal What was it? And what is my mission in life? What is my goal in life? Is there some resemblance? Or are they completely different from each other? I was just thinking that my husband's been working on this project for a college And they need to make a website And they have a template that they need to use So I was proposing why don't you change the template it's just easier. So he was saying that, no, you know, if you change the template, it's not going to get approved. You know it's not going to get anywhere, and then it's just going to be a hassle. So I was just thinking the same thing. We have a template of the Prophet It's just easier to follow that template because you know it's going to get approved. Exactly. It is going to get approved. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. Right? In kuntum tuhibbun Allaha fattabi'uni If you follow the Prophet then what will happen? Allah will love you. Yuhbibkum Allah.
Secondly, another regret that is mentioned over here is that a person will regret for having had bad friends, bad company. And this is something that causes regret even in this life. Hmm? The Prophet ﷺ said, a good friend is like a perfume seller. Even if you don't get any perfume from him, its fragrance will reach you for sure. Will it? Meaning, even if they don't give you free samples, will they smell good when you go to them? Yes. Isn't it? And a bad friend is like a blacksmith. Even if you don't get any blackness, meaning any sparks and things like that from him, the smoke will reach you. It will reach you. This is why we have to be very careful about these two matters. Ittiba' of sunnah, how well am I following the Prophet ﷺ? And secondly, who is in my company? And especially, a person will regret over these friends. Why? Because he will say, لَقَدْ certainly أَضَلَّنِي He led me astray. عَنِ dhikri From the remembrance. He took me away from the dhikr. بَعْدَ after إِذْ جَاءَنِي It came to me. The dhikr came to me, but this so-called friend of mine took me away from the dhikr. What is dhikr? The Qur'an. Or Allah's dhikr. Remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Salah is also dhikr. Or the words of the Prophet ﷺ, his advice, his admonition, his instructions. They came to me, but this friend of mine took me away from them. Meaning I learned the deen. I knew what was right and what was wrong. I learned the Qur'an. But this friend of mine led me away from it. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ And ever is shaytan. insani For the human being, to the human being. Khadula A deserter. Shaytan always deserts the human being. Who is Khadul? Khadul, Khadalam, Khadala. Khadala is to leave someone unhelped. Meaning they need help, but you don't help them. This is Khadala, Khadlan. It's to desert someone. Not be there at the time of need. What is this? Betrayal. That someone expects your help, but you don't show up. You forsake them. You leave them in the lurch. And friends who are like shaitan, they are the same. They are the same. They tell you to do bad things. They influence you. And once you listen to them, once you do what they want you to do, then what happens when you're in trouble? Do they defend you? No. Do they stand up for you? Never. They use you and they leave you. Now the question is, who is shaitan? Remember, everyone who stops you from haq is your shaitan. It is said, كُلُّ مَنْ صَدَّكَ عَنِ الْحَقِّ فَهُوَ شَيْطَانُكَ when we think of shaitan, we think of some hidden being, someone whom we cannot see. I wonder if the shaitan is even there. Right? But who is shaitan? Kullu man saddaka anil haq. Anyone who stops you from haq is your shaitan. Because this is shaitan's goal, to prevent you from haq. So over here, who is shaitan in this context? The khalil, the friend who was mudil, who led astray. At firstly he led astray and then he abandoned. Like in Surah Ibrahim, Ayah 22, we learn about shaitan that on the day of judgment, shaitan will say that don't blame me, blame yourself. I only advised you and you followed me. So don't blame me. I cannot help you, so stop calling upon me. Now these ayat, it is said that they were revealed about a particular individual, Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayt. Uqba bin Abi Mu'ayt, he was... A chief, uh, someone who had a lot of respect. He was a Meccan, a Qurayshi. And this man 
was also a friend of the Prophet ﷺ, right? pre-Prophethood. And this particular individual, whenever he would return from his trade journeys, he would hold feasts. All right. So once, when he returned from a particular journey, he held a feast, and he also invited the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he came, he said, I cannot eat your food unless you accept Islam. You know, sometimes you can pressurize your friends. So the Prophet ﷺ said that to Uqba, and Uqba felt embarrassed, and he said, okay, I believe in you. And he said, أَشَهَدُوا أَلَّا إِلَّا إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَأَشَهَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهُ He said it. So basically he accepted Islam. Now what happened? News spread. And the friends of Uqba bin Abi Murid, his other friends, they found out and they got really annoyed with him. And one particular friend, Ubay bin Khalaf, he started accusing Uqba that you were so easily influenced by Muhammad wasallam. And he said, no, 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 I just said that so that he would eat my food. I didn't actually mean it. I didn't actually embrace Islam. I just said that so that he would eat my food. Because for Arabs, remember, if somebody refuses to eat your food, that is a great insult. It's a source of great embarrassment. So it was also that dignity, right? Because of which he had said it. So he kept saying that, no, I said it just so that Muhammad ﷺ would eat my food. I don't actually believe. But Ubay said, I will not believe in you unless you go and spit on the face of Muhammad wasallam. So basically, Uqba, he went and did that. He went and did that. And both of these people, these friends, Ubay bin Khalaf, Uqba bin Abi Mu'id, very soon, both of them were killed. In fact, Uqba, he was killed after the Battle of Badr, right after. He was one of the prisoners of war. Now, what does the story teach us? Many times it happens that we do things which are wrong, not right. Why do we do them? Why? Just to please our friends. Just to be more acceptable to them. This is called peer pressure, right? When we do things which are wrong out of peer pressure. We will say things which are wrong. We will dress up in a way that is not correct. We will do things which are not correct just to please our friends. Can you think of some examples? And don't think of people you know at school. Alright? Or at work. Think of yourself. What are those times when we slip because of our company, because of the people that we are in? Okay, language. It happens many times just to be cool and, you know, to sound really cool. We say words that are inappropriate. Ah, salah. So many times it happens that we either leave our prayer or we delay it. Why? Because we're having fun with our friends. We're talking to them, we're chatting with them, or we're talking with them. And especially when it comes to Salatul Taraweeh. And he, it's amazing. You left your home, you came all the way to the masjid, and what's going on? People are praying in the front, and you're pretending like you don't have to pray throughout the month, I don't know how. Right? Sitting at the back and just talking, talking, talking. And this is something that's, it's like a disease. Literally, it spreads so quickly. So quickly. That you will see kids, not just kids, even big kids. And I don't like to use the word kids for people who are 10, 12, 14, 16. Because you're not kids anymore. But what happens at this age? Generally, at the masjid, what do you see? People are just hanging out at the back or hanging out outside doing things which are wrong. Trying out things which are not correct. 
What happens? One person gets a pack of cigarettes, somehow, and then everybody's like, okay, let's try it. And go somewhere, maybe in the parking lot, and everybody is trying it. This is what? Bad influence. And I'm talking about Muslim kids who come from good families, who go to Islamic school, probably in a hip program. Yes, I'm not kidding. But what happens? Bad influence, bad company. I mean, people who are trying to go to a Qur'an class, memorizing the Qur'an, but then, what are they talking about? Oh, my idol is so and so. What's an idol? Oh, Google. What's an idol? Oh, that. This idol, that idol. Okay, my idol is so and so. Because I have to be cool, just like my friends. Right? What are other examples of when we get easily influenced by our friends? Yeah. Like for example, everybody's going to pray Fad Salah. But then after that, Sunnah. We'll leave it. Everybody's in a rush. What's the rush? Oh, we have to sit and talk. Right? What's the rush? Oh, I have to check my phone. What's the rush? Oh, we have to get ready. I have to go check my hijab. I have to go check my hair. Right? That's the urgency because of which one friend gets up and the others also follow. Yes? See, when you're alone, you don't do bad things. Generally, you don't. Right? Like for example, if everybody is praying, everybody, will you be the only person who will just sit at the back going through your phone? No, you won't. When is it that you will leave taraweeh? You will leave your sunnah and go sit at the back. When? When you have company. When you have friends. Right? So many times, friends are in reality our enemies. Bismillah. Assalamu alaikum. My daughter, two sisters. One is, uh, subhanAllah, you guide her. She's telling her, you don't need to stand in traweeh. You're too young. The other one telling her, imagine you standing in traweeh. You're saving yourself from 50,000 years, the day of Qiyamah. So when you stand up in the traweeh, just remember that. SubhanAllah, it's a big difference. Yes. So there are some friends which are a good influence and other friends are bad influence. Now what do we see? Many times when you're doing naughty things with your friends, yes, it's a lot of fun. Right? Nobody found out. That was so much fun. You know, especially like everybody's praying taraweeh and the kids together as a group walking all the way to Tim Hortons, getting ice caps or something and then walking back and then right at the end of uh, witr, you know, just show up in the masjid, stand at the back row and your parents turn around, oh, my children are so nice. They were praying the whole time. Right? It's a lot of fun sometimes doing things which are wrong. But later on, what happens? What happens? Regrets. If not today in this life, then certainly on the Day of Judgment. And so much is this regret that a person will bite at their hands, angry with themselves. Why did I take this person as a friend? Why? This person led me astray. This person made me do such wrong things. لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي You go ahead.
Yeah, I mean, these friends could be from school, they could be even from your family, anybody. Anybody who is stopping you from the way of Allah, distracting you from haq, distracting you from the dhikr of Allah, remember at that time they are your enemy. If they stop you. So do yourself a favor and do a favor to them also and don't listen to them when they're telling you to do something wrong. Because your family, your closest ones, your loved ones, you want to be with them. Right? So when they're telling you to do something wrong, don't do it. Be strong over there. You know, it is said that there are three types of friends. There are some friends who are like food. Like food. What is food? Do you need it? Do you need it? Of course you do. Every day. Every day you need to eat. Right? And when you eat your food, do you enjoy it? Yes, you do. So some friends are like that. They're always a part of your life every day. Daily contact, daily conversations. You meet them at school every day. On the weekend also you talk to them. In the evening also you chat with them. Over your phone also you're always communicating with them. You enjoy them. Alhamdulillah, no problem. As long as that food is taken in moderate amounts. Right? Because if you eat too much, then what will happen? It will make you sick. Correct? So many friends are like this, that when you spend too much time with them, you'll end up doing wrong things. And you will regret. Then there are other friends that are like medication. What does it mean? You need them, even though they're bitter. Why? Because they put you back in your place. They fix you when you're getting diseased. Right? It's difficult to hear from them because they are pointing out your mistakes. They're telling you about where you're slipping and you want to avoid it. But medication, is it necessary? It's necessary. Do you enjoy it? No, you don't enjoy it. But you must, you must take that medication for your own good. Likewise, the company of certain people may be very difficult for you. Why? Because they tell you things which are right, but you don't want to do them. But they're telling you. Force yourself to stay in their company. Then there's some other kind of friends that are like disease. You don't need them. You don't need them. You want to get away from them. So all the people who are in your circle, alright, friends list, see, who are they? Are they like food? Are they like medication? Or are they like disease? What are they like? Identify them. Those friends which are like food, they're part of your life. Enjoy their company, alhamdulillah, but keep it in moderation. Friends which are like medication, increase the dose. Right? Increase the dose. And thirdly, friends which are like a disease, that every time you sit with them, you start backbiting. Every time you talk to them, it's like as if you don't even know Allah. Then, limit their company. The most dangerous friendship is the one that is described over here. لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي you see, many times it happens that you are ready to do your lesson, for example. Your word-to-word lesson. And your friend says, you actually do your lesson? I'm like, I'm trying. Oh, last time I did the word-to-word lesson was like, just number six. They're like, huh? Why am I working so hard? So you see how that influenced you? It influenced you. Sometimes you are in the class in the Qur'an class, what happens? Let me check my phone. Why? Because the person sitting next to me is checking their phone. Who messaged me? Who texted me? Who said something to me? This is a friend that is distracting you from haq. Be very careful. 
لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي And remember these friends, they will abandon you. They will not be there for you. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ وقال الرسول and the messenger will say يا ربي O my Lord إن قومي indeed my people اتخذوا they have taken هذا القرآن this Quran as مهجورا as one that is abandoned as a thing abandoned meaning they have abandoned this Quran who will say this the Prophet ﷺ will say this on the day of judgment or he said it already in this life he said it that my people, and who is qawm of a people? The qawm of a man are those who are closest to him. Those who, because qawm yaqumu is to stand. Those who stand with him. Those who stand with him. Alright? And there are people who are close to him either because of land, meaning they live in the same place, or because of the deen. They have the same deen. So they stand with him. Right? So the Prophet ﷺ will say on the Day of Judgment that my people took this Qur'an as mahjur. Now mahjur is from hajr, hajimra. And hajr is to leave something. What is hijra? What is hijra? Immigration. Right? And mahjur is that which is abandoned. And there are levels of leaving something. Over here, leaving the Qur'an. There are levels of leaving the Qur'an. One is that a person rejects it, doesn't believe in it. Another is that a person believes in it, but he has left it. So it's not a part of his life at all. He doesn't read it, doesn't know what the Qur'an says, doesn't listen to it, nothing at all. Doesn't reflect on it. Then there is another level of leaving the Qur'an, which is that a person believes in it. He has also learned it. Maybe he learned it once upon a time, but he doesn't bother reciting it frequently, or reflecting on it, or acting upon it. And then another level where a person, maybe he believes in it, he studies it, he reflects on it, he applies its meaning also, but he doesn't really benefit from the Qur'an in the true way. That he doesn't use it for hidayah, he doesn't use it to draw closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's not taking shifa from it. This is also a way of abandoning the Qur'an. When a person is in difficulty, when a person is in pain, he doesn't open the book of Allah to recite it for shifa. But he's turning to every other option. This is also a way of leaving the Qur'an. Another meaning of the word mahjur, that it's from the word hujr. And hujr is to speak ill, to speak nonsense. So my people have taken the Qur'an as mahjur, meaning they speak nonsense about it. They make fun of it. In Surah Fussilat, Ayah 26, we learn that the mushrikeen, what would they say that when the Qur'an is being recited? Don't listen to it. Rather make noise at that time. So that you overcome. Make noise so that you don't even get to hear the Qur'an and nobody gets to hear it. Now, this is a very serious matter. The Prophet ﷺ complaining that my people abandoned the Qur'an. This is very serious. And remember that not just the Prophet ﷺ, but even the Qur'an will complain on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ said, the Qur'an is an intercessor, and one whose intercession shall be accepted. It will argue on behalf of those who read it, and it will be confirmed. Whoever places it before himself, it will lead him to Jannah. And whoever places it behind his back, it will drive him, it will push him to hellfire. Putting the Qur'an behind that it's history now. Once upon a time I learned it. Once upon a time I studied it. It's history now. This is very dangerous because the Qur'an will push a person to 
hellfire. Anas radiallahu anhu said, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever reads the Qur'an and then closes it and leaves it, he doesn't recite it, nor does he reflect on its commands, then on the day of judgment, the Qur'an will be around his neck and it will complain to Allah, this slave of yours left me, so judge between us, O Allah. The Qur'an will complain. So what we learn from this is that we must always keep the Qur'an in front of us. What I mean by that is, not just that you should have a Qur'an app on your phone that you never open. No. That Qur'an should be a part of your daily routine. Not a day should pass except that you've had contact with the Qur'an. That you have been in touch with the Qur'an every single day. Because remember that once you leave the Qur'an, then all of a sudden, there's a huge distance between you and the Qur'an. And those distances, they become so much that it gets difficult to reach out to the Qur'an and hold it again. You know, it's just like when you have not spoken to a person for let's say a month. Then is it easy to pick up the phone and call them? It's not easy. It's so awkward. The same distances appear between us and the Qur'an once we leave the Qur'an. That's why a daily connection is necessary. No matter what is going on in life, even if it's your wedding day, even if you have your exams, whatever it is, we must spend some time with the Qur'an. Consciously recite the Qur'an in salah. Assalamualaikum. I just wanted to share that we had a Qur'an tissue when we were younger. And every time he came, sometimes we did the lessons, sometimes we didn't. And he would get so mad. And he would say, the Qur'an is a very jealous book. Unless you give it your full haq, you will not learn from it. And it's so true. So true. Like they say, That give all of yourself to ilm, knowledge, and then you will be able to take some of it. And the Qur'an is the best source of ilm. So you have to be 100% committed to the Qur'an. And then you'll be able to remember it. Then you'll be able to apply it in your life. Then you'll be able to reflect upon it. Otherwise, it gets so difficult. You hear the ayat, but you don't understand them, even though you know the meaning. You cannot apply it in your life. You cannot relate with it. Because there's a gap between you and the Qur'an. وَكَذَلِكَ And thus, جَعَلْنَا We made لِكُلِّ نَبِيِّن For every prophet, عَدُوًّا Enemies مِنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ From the criminals. Meaning every prophet had enemies from among the criminals. People who opposed him, people who ridiculed him, people who mocked at him. وَكَفَى And sufficient. بِرَبِّكَ Definitely your Lord. هَذِي And as a guide. وَنَصِيرًا And as a helper. Meaning your Lord is sufficient as a guide. Meaning the one who will guide you to overcome your enemy. Or the one who will guide people to you despite the efforts of the opponents. You know, it's amazing how people try so hard to turn people away from the Prophet ﷺ. Cartoons and books and whatnot, right? This has been happening from the beginning. Making fun of his name. Abu Lahab would follow the Prophet ﷺ around the markets. The Prophet ﷺ would be calling people to Islam and Abu Lahab would be humiliating him. Right behind the Prophet ﷺ. But still... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided people to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah is sufficient as a guide. And Naseed, He will also help you against your enemy. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And those who disbelieve say, لَوْلَا Why not? نُزِّلَ It was sent down. عَلَيْهِ upon him الْقُرْآنُ The Qur'an جُمْلَةً wahida As one in its entirety. Jumla 
Jeen, Meem, Lam. Jumla means a sentence. What is a sentence? When you put different words together. And once you've put them together, they express a meaning together. Right? So it's a whole. Like it's something complete. When is a sentence complete? When is it that you call a few words together a sentence? When? When they convey a complete meaning. Isn't it? Like for example, if it is written, my name is, would you call that a sentence? It's not a sentence. You'd be like what? Complete the sentence. Isn't it? So, jumla, what is it? It means a sum of something, totality. And over here, jumlatan wahida, meaning at once, in one go. How come the Qur'an was not revealed in one go in its totality? In other words, why is it that the Qur'an has been given to the Prophet ﷺ in portions, bit by bit? One revelation after another. Why not the whole Qur'an at once? Just like Musa ﷺ, was he given the Torah at once? Yes. He was called at the mount for the miqat. He went and he was given the Torah in a written form at once. But was the Qur'an given in this way? No. 23 years. Sometimes one wahi would be just a few words. Sometimes a few ayat. And sometimes yes, an entire surah. But very rarely, an entire surah. Right? So, the disbelievers, they made this objection. Do people raise this objection today also? Yeah, they say that. Well, every now and then he would come up with a new revelation. Right? He would make something up. What does Allah say? كَذَلِكَ thus The Qur'an has been revealed in this way. لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ لِنُثَبِّتَ So that we stabilize. نُثَبِّتَ from the root letters. سَبَاتَ سَبَات What does سَبَات mean? Stability and firmness. Okay. What does the word فُؤَاد mean? Heart. Isn't there another word for heart? قَلْب why is the word fu'ad used over here? Why not qalb? Does anybody know? Okay. Let me tell you the meaning of fu'ad. Fu'ad, fa'ada, fa'hamzadal, fa'ada, means to sear meat. Barbecue season? Hmm? What do you do with the meat? You take a steak, you put it on the grill, isn't it? And then you pick it up and you turn it upside down, and then you do that a couple of times maybe, or maybe once depending on how you like your steak. Right? So this is fa'ada. Now, when you're searing meat, when you're roasting it, when you're grilling it, do you hear something? What do you hear? Sizzling. Does the heart feel like that sometimes? Is it sizzling? When? When you're angry? When you're hurt? When you're annoyed? Does your heart feel this burning fire inside sometimes? Yes. Does it feel unstable sometimes? Yes. Fiery heart. So basically, fuad is used for emotionally charged heart. Burning, hurting, angry heart. Not and angry because of hurt. Because of frustration. So the Qur'an, what is it like? It is like rain. It is like water that calms and comforts your heart. It rests your heart. Because you see, the emotional heart is very unstable. It's very unpredictable. When you're burning with anger inside, 
Do you cause irreparable damage sometimes? Yes, you do. When you're hurting, when you've been so hurt, do you say things you shouldn't have said? Do you do things which you shouldn't have done? Yes, you do. So do you need something to just hold your heart in place? Does beat? Just stay there? Hold it there? You need something. So what is it that will cool down your heart? What is it that will comfort your heart? That will rest your heart? It's the Qur'an. كَذَلِكَ لِنُسَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ You know sometimes when you're so angry, you're like, that's it, I give up. But then what happens? You hear the Qur'an, you read an ayah, and you're like, how can I give up? There's no way I can give up. Right? Sometimes you're like, that's it, I quit. I can't manage this anymore, can't deal with this anymore. Like for example, the ayah that we learned yesterday. وَجَعَلْنَا بَعْضَكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ فِتْنَةً أَتَصْبِرُونَ Right? So many times when you're dealing with people, you're like, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of this person. I cannot deal with them anymore. Delete contact. Right? You're not my friend anymore. I don't like you anymore. But then what happens? You read in the Quran, atasbirun. So does that comfort your heart? It does. This is why the Quran was revealed in this way. Because the mission of the Prophet ﷺ was no easy mission. It was very, very difficult. So each time a dose of revelation came, what did it do? It strengthened the heart of Rasulullah wasallam. You know when you study the seerah, you're amazed. How is it possible that the Prophet wasallam could put up with that persecution for 13 years in Makkah? How? Why? It doesn't make sense. How could Bilal who go through that? How? What was driving them? What made them so firm? And then, when the Prophet ﷺ leaves Makkah, he goes to Medina within eight years, he conquers Makkah? How? How did this happen? What guided them? What gave them the strength? It was this wahi. This is what fed them. So, this is why it's necessary that we remain connected with the Qur'an. Leaving the Qur'an is such a huge mistake. Such a huge mistake. When you remain connected with the Qur'an, it brings you confidence, it brings you stability, it makes you committed. It doesn't let you slip. كَذَلِكَ لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ تَرْتِيلًا And we have spaced it distinctly. رَتَّلَ تَرْتِيل Both of these words from the root letters, رَتَّلَمْ رَتِلَ رَتِلَ is to be in a good order. And when something is even, in a good order. Ratul kalam, ratul of kalam, of speech, is to put together and arrange nicely the components of speech. Alright? Rattala is speech that is well-ordered, fairly arranged. Alright? And tartil is to recite the Qur'an. You may have heard of the word tartil, reciting the Qur'an with tartil. It is to recite it in a composed way, in a proper way, in a beautiful way. Not that at one point a person is sounding like he's just going to fall asleep. And another point they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs. No. Tartil. You know, with composure. Pausing at the right place. Raising the voice. Lowering the voice. You know, not too fast. Not too slow. This is tartil. And this kind of recitation is beautiful. Right? So, tartila, what it means is that we have gradually revealed it. We have fairly arranged its revelation. We have spaced its recitation, its revelation. Why? For the purpose of clarity, for the purpose of guidance, for the purpose of distinction. Over 23 years. Because if the whole Qur'an was given at once, then what would happen? 
You wouldn't be able to tell which ayah is where and which surah is where. It would be confusing. But when it was revealed over 23 years, the Prophet ﷺ knew exactly where each ayah was supposed to be, where each surah was supposed to be. Right? tartila. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an gradually. There's wisdom in this. Let me ask you a question. How do you eat food? How? Once a week? Once a week? Every day. How much? Little by little. Isn't it? And some people especially, they have to have their water first thing in the morning. Then after some time their fruit or their nuts, right? And then maybe after some time their coffee. And then finally their breakfast. And then after some time a snack. And then another tea break, right? And then their lunch. And another tea break. Isn't it? So throughout the day you keep taking your tea or your coffee or whatever it is that you need to keep you sane. Isn't it? So just like that, you need Qur'an to keep you sane, basically. Because life is very difficult. It's very, very difficult. You need something to hold you together. tartila. Likewise, medication. How do you take your medication? Do you ask the doctor how many total ml I'm supposed to have? Okay, if he said 2 ml, you know, for example, dose, and you're supposed to have 3 times a day, then, okay, 2 times 3 is how much? 6. And you're like, okay, first thing in the morning, I'll just drink the whole bottle. If you do that, you might end up at the hospital. Isn't it? It's not going to benefit you, it's going to harm you. So, what does this teach us? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an in 23 years, how much time do we need to study the Qur'an? <laughs> to read the Qur'an, to review the Qur'an. Is it sufficient that okay person says, in one shot, one year, khalas. Read the Qur'an and then close it and put it away. And okay, this is something I've done in my life, check mark. And then for the rest of my life, yeah, I studied the Qur'an. No. Studying the Qur'an is just the beginning. Now you need a constant connection with the book of Allah. وَلَا يَأْتُونَكَ And they do not come to you. بِمَثَلٍ With any argument. مَثَل is an example. And over here, مَثَل is being used for an argument. An objection that the mushrikeen would come up with against the Prophet ﷺ. And why is it called an example? A مَثَل? Because it would be like, you know like an exemplary objection? That, wow, you're just amazed. How could you even think of that objection? They don't come to you with any argument like the one mentioned above, illa except jinaka, we come to you bilhaki with the truth, refuting them, wa ahsana tafsira and the best explanation. Meaning, we give you the best explanation in response to their objections. What is the word tafsir? Tafsir is from the root letters fasin ra fassara. Fassara is to reveal something that was concealed, something that was hidden. It was concealed. You remove the lid, you remove the cover, and so now it is disclosed. So tafsir is basically to make something apparent, clear, explained. This is tafsir. Alright? This doesn't mean, you know, for example, the word tafsir is used for the explanation of the Qur'an. This doesn't mean that the Qur'an is unclear. It is clear. It is lisan mubin. It is very evident. However, what happens is, that sometimes you need to make the obvious more obvious. Right? Or sometimes people can misunderstand something. Misunderstand a text. So this is why tafsir is done to make it more clear. To make the text of the Qur'an more clear. 
Over here, what does tafsir mean? Explanation of why things are a certain way. So over here, they objected. Why was the Qur'an not given to you at once? Allah gives the best explanation. What is that? To strengthen your heart. الَّذِينَ Those people who يُحْشَرُونَ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ They will be gathered on their faces إِلَى جَهَنَّمْ to hell. Who are these people? Those who bring up objections against the book of Allah. Who argue about the book of Allah. Who reject it. They will come on the day of judgment. How? On their faces. أُولَٰئِكَ those شَرٌ مَكَانًا They are worst in position. وَأَضَلُّ سَبِيلًا And farthest astray in their way. What does it mean by this? This ayah is telling us about the end of those who object to the truth. What is this end? What is this outcome? That they will be on their faces, upside down, literally. Why like this? Because in this world, they were arrogant. And in their pride, they objected. So on the day of judgment, remember the punishment will be similar to the crime that has been committed. So on the day of judgment, because of their arrogance, their heads will be on the ground. Their heads will be on the ground. The head that they keep up high, it will be on the ground. In Surah An-Naml, Ayah 90, we learn, وَمَنْ جَاءَ بِالسَّيِّئَةِ فَكُبَّتْ وُجُوهُمْ فِي النَّارِ Whoever comes with an evil deed, their faces will be overturned in the fire. So this is the outcome of those who object to the word of Allah. And this is a crime. And here we need to be very careful because how easily we say, oh, why is it like this? And why has Allah said this? And why did the Prophet ﷺ say this? This is a crime. A serious offense. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Let's listen to the recitation of these ayat. وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًّا مِّنَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ وَكَفَى بِرَبِّكَ هَادِيًا وَنَصِيرًا وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ عَلَيْهِ الْقُرْآنُ جُمْلَةً وَاحِدَةً كَذَلِكَ لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ تَرْتِيلًا وَلَا يَأْتُونَكَ بِمَثَلٍ إِلَّا جِئْنَاكَ بِالْحَقِّ وَأَحْسَنَ تَفْسِيرًا الَّذِينَ يُحْشَرُونَ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ إِلَى جَهَنَّمَ أُولَئِكَ أُولَئِكَ شَرٌّ Subhanak Allahumma bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh